morning, church. Good morning. I like the perspective of that song, that God is good. God is good in and out of every season of life. He never wavers. He never changes. He's consistent. He's constantly good. He's righteous. He's holy. He's just. He's true. He's faithful. And no matter where we find ourselves, we can count on him. Amen. And that that, that needs to be our perspective throughout life is looking to him, looking to him in the midst of good times where things are well and there's no problems that are seeming to arise and looking to him in the midst of turmoil and trials and uh, looking for his guidance and his wisdom that only he can give. We're going to get some of that wisdom this morning. Uh, The next few messages are, I'm not going to lie, they're going to be painful. (laughs) They're going to be painful because, it, 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 again, this word of the Lord forces us to, hey, to take a hard look at ourselves and be honest with where we're at, with what's going on in our own hearts, kind of as Michelle alluded to uh, just a second ago, and where we are with the Lord. And the Lord gives correction and the Lord points us in the right direction. But we, as followers of Christ, just like the children of Israel, we got to decide not to harden our hearts and not be stubborn to the direction and the correction that the Lord is trying to provide for us. Uh, With that, we're going to be in James chapter one this morning. We'll be going through verses 19 down through 21. And, you know, as I've been studying and praying again, the Lord is just showing me take very small chunks because there's so much in this book, uh, you could never exhaust it because this is these are these are principles and applications for everyday living. It's not just once in a blue moon or when we feel good. That's the that's the the harsh reality of the text this morning is no matter what you and I feel like in whatever circumstance we're in, we should be operating under this principle. So when you get there, please uh Turn and stand. Uh, again, once again, we're in James chapter 1. We're going to be going through verses 19 down through 21. This message is entitled, Doers, Not Hearers Only, Part 1. <clears throat> and the text reads, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word that speaks nothing but truth into our lives. And though none of us have arrived at mastering this, help us to progress in this on a daily basis, to be those that are are quick to listen or to be attentive to 
not only those around us, but most importantly to you, to what you're trying to reveal to us in life through your word, through circumstances. May we be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We know that ultimately all everything in this book is 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 pointing us to him and pointing us to be conformed to the moral image of your son who's perfect, who's lacking nothing. Your son Jesus is the perfect listener. He listens to all of our cries. Just as my daughter was having a situation a moment ago, we're all like that before you, but you take the time to listen. You take the time to hear where we're at, and then you point us in the right direction. Father, give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to apply your wisdom and your truth to our lives so that we would be those who would be effective in relationships with one another. May we be those that are doers of your word and not merely hearers. So again, may you receive all honor and glory for you're the only one who deserves it and you're the only one worthy of such adoration and praise. We thank you and we love you. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So last week... We took a look at the divine nature of the Lord as it's revealed to us in the scriptures. And and that may seem like an elementary thing, but we have to hammer this into our hearts, minds, and souls that we get our understanding of God's divine nature through the scriptures. It's through the scripture, it's through the infallible word of God that he reveals himself to us. Not through self-help books, not through philosophy, not through some uh, doctrine that was made up 50 years ago or 100 years ago. You know, there's a lot of new age religion that's plaguing the Western world in this day and age that we live in. But this word that you hold in your lap, that you hold and you hide in your heart, has been prophesied and it has, it has been around since the beginning of time. And no, no critic can debunk it. No, no person that has a bone to pick with the word of God can find any, um, any fault in it at all. And so you can trust that the word of God is the true revelation of the Messiah, of the Lord God Almighty. It's very interesting. This is a side note, but I'll just touch on it because I think it's very important. Is that isolation is a killer. Isolation will kill you. And if you look at the God we serve, he is triunal, if you, if you would like. Three personalities in one, but they're all in concert together. Indivisible, but all together. And so when you look at the framework of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, even within himself, there is unity and there's community. So when you look at us as the body of Christ, how much more should we follow that suit and be community, commune with one another, be a part of each other's lives? It doesn't matter how big or how small that community is, but that's a word for someone here this morning. Do not isolate. I see it on a weekly basis and it, and it, it breaks my heart. And, and the Lord has to remind me constantly that I don't convict people. I don't save people. 
All I'm called to do is to come alongside people and love on them and encourage them and point them to the truth without pulling punches, saying it how it is. But it, 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 it does mess with you when, when you, you see yourself, you're witnessing the people and you're encouraging people, man, come to the church house and, and come, to the, come to the group and, and don't, don't, don't avoid. And yet you just, it, it breaks my heart to see people not, not taking that to heart. So if that's something for you today, just don't isolate, stay connected, stay connected to the body of Christ, stay connected to the Lord. And let him lead you and guide you. Amen. He is the father of lights and within him there is no darkness. There are no shifting shadows. Again, he is consistent. He's constant. He's never changing. In our world of, of, of ever changing events, things are changing all the time. Um, you know, scientists saying the atmosphere is changing. Um, people that are into social justice movements, the, 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 the social justice movement, the landscape of, 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 of society is changing. Politics is ever changing. Technology is ever changing. Medicine, all these different things, it's constantly changing for some for the better and some for the worse. But either way, there's always change going on. And so where do you and I go to find a true foundation? We find it in the Lord. We find it in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that stays consistent through it all. And he knows the end from the beginning. That should be such an encouragement for you and I today, no matter where you're at. That he knows your end from the beginning. And he knows exactly what's going on in your life. And he knows exactly where he needs you to be. And he knows exactly where he's going to place you in the future. So put all your chips and rest all of it on him, amen, because he's the only one to give you a source of true, lasting foundation in a world that's ever shifting and changing. He's faithful, he's just, he's true, he's righteous, he's holy. He never tempts nor leads anyone into temptation. He never tempts anyone to sin, unlike Satan, who is the father of lies. That is such a profound statement. The enemy of your soul and my soul is the father of lies. He encompasses every lying spirit. They all come under his uh, influence, if you will. And everything that would, that would drive you from the Lord is, is found in Satan. He's all about trying to deceive you and I, to deceive us. Think about your life this week. Were there moments where the enemy was trying to deceive you? I'm sure there was. There's a lot of spiritual warfare going on every day. It just trips me out. The more and more that I walk with the Lord, the more and more I see deception lurking right around the corner. Always trying to get a foothold in my life. Always trying to cause me to come into agreement and to stumble. But you, you and I have to understand and remember that Satan has no power to actually make you sin. He has no power. He has no authority to cause you to sin. Rather, we are led by our own lustful desires, our own unclean desires, when we come into agreement with them, and we think, oh, that's a good thing to do, or let me try this, even though it's contrary to what the Lord would have us do. And it's our own desires when our own desires, when our own 
uh, fleshly ways, worldly ways, supersede God's desire for our own lives. When we come into agreement with those things, that's what leads us into sin. And so for you and I, as, as children of the Most High, as saints of God, as soldiers in Christ, we have to keep a close monitor on our lives and the things that we're engaging in and, and the thought process that goes into what we do and how we do it. Because if we go on autopilot, nine times out of ten, we're going to fall into sin because our guard is down. We're not guarding our minds and our hearts as the word calls us to. This is why it's so important for you and I, church, to stay connected at all times to Jesus Christ and to allow the Holy Spirit to govern how we live and how we think. I know in my own life personally has gotten to the point where I just I just play the um, I just play the Bible app audio when I go to bed. And then, you know, when I, I, nine times out of ten, I go to bed before Veronica. So when when she comes in, whatever she comes in, then she turns it off. But I fall asleep to the word, you know, because it's like I want the word to permeate my being. You know, let's just keep it real. Unclean thoughts come in out of our minds all the time. You know, and the last thing I want when I'm going to sleep is some unclean, perverted, not right thought, unholy thought to come into my mind. And then I'm constantly having a battle trying to go to sleep and get some rest. But when I hear the word of God, when the word of God is just just plain over and over uh, and just going through books, you know, whatever. <laughs> heard Lamentations, heard Numbers, heard all these Old Testament great books. It's like it's such an edifying thing. For you, even in your subconscious as you go to sleep. But again, it's this, it's this whole idea of staying connected to the Lord all the time. Being aware that He's present with you all the time. And that you can call upon Him at any moment. And that He will hear you and He'll answer according to His will and His time. Amen. This is so important because Proverbs 23 verse 7 tells us, For as a man... Thinks, so he is. So, I mean, the scripture is very clear. A lot of us, maybe not in this room, maybe in this room, maybe people we know. A lot of people battle with depression. And, and I know that there are supernatural components to it. So there may be a, a, a spirit, an unclean spirit of depression that, that, is, that, is, that is messing with someone and causing them to, 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 to go down a road that's dark. But when we trace everything back, it all has to do with our mind. The mind is, is, is the battlefield that Satan wants to take over, right? That's why the Word of God right there says, For as a man thinks, so he is. If you believe and you understand in your mind that you have been redeemed and that you are a child of the Most High God and that Heaven and hell can't separate you from his love. That's in your thinking. <laughs> you're thinking correctly. You're thinking clearly. You're thinking biblically of what your identity is now in Christ Jesus. And that thinking process, you will be that. If you think, I'm battered up, I'm beaten, the world's not been fair, I've had a horrible upbringing, I don't catch any breaks, it's hard, and I'm not making fun, you know, the whole, not even saying woe is me, but you've just had a hard life. And if you focus on all of the things that have gone wrong in your life, you will, as the Bible says, as you think, that's how you will be. And unfortunately, 
There are children of God who think like that. They don't realize that the power within them, (laughs) the Holy Spirit who lives within them has defeated Satan, death, and the grave. And they have the power within them that can quench anything that comes in opposition against them. So again, we must have a proper, clear line of thinking in order to be successful and live victorious lives every day in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, we have several main points this morning. And the first one is this, every believer, any true child of God, anyone who has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb must grow, must. This is so important. It's not even an option. We must grow to become quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. I'll be the first one to tell you that I have not come close to mastering this. But it is something that I am striving for. It is something that I'm putting my conscious effort and my energy into growing in with the Lord's help every day. You see, because our mouths get us into all kind of trouble. And just a few verses down when we get into it, Lord willing, James talks about You know, you got these big old men. Think of like a big old boxer or UFC fighter or or NFL player. I was watching the uh, Pro Pro Bowl skills competition. They got these big old 300-pound men doing doing the the water balloon toss, tossing the water balloon back back and forth to each other. I mean, these big men with this little fragile water balloon, and they're backing up five yards apart, then 10 yards apart, then 15 yards apart. Big old men with these big old grizzly mutton mutton hands, you know, and uh, many of those balloons popped. But you have this big, massive individual. And as strong as they are and their physiques are, 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 are healthy and all this and that, that tongue, that little fleshly thing that lays in our mouths, as James will say in a couple verses down, is like a small rudder and it can set the life of someone on fire if it's not used correctly. Such a big being, but such a small thing directs our paths. And so again, our mouths get us into all kinds of trouble. Think about it. Every fight or battle or war that has ever occurred is because because one or both parties are quick to speak and slow to hear. Even when it comes down to prophetic battles, between God and humans. Think about all the times where God had to annihilate people groups because they were worshiping false gods. Their mouths got them in all kind of trouble. Worshiping Baal, worshiping people, worshiping created things because they were so quick to give praise to a created thing or create a God of their own idea. Their own imagination, God had to cause war against these people because they refused to repent. And in human battles and in human fights and in human wars, everything comes down to people not being slow to speak. Not being slow to speak. Being quick to speak and slow to listen. You see, we profess to believe one thing, but then... Many times we are often betrayed by what comes out our mouth. <laughs> we say one thing and then do another. That is not how we should live, church. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? So when we're acting up and, and, and not, 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 not speaking life into existence, into people, it's because there's really no life in us. And if you constantly find yourself overflowing with the word of God and, and you're constantly encouraging and trying to lift people up and, and you're always trying to get people to see the Lord in the situation. That's a beautiful thing. Praise God for that. That means that that's what's in your heart. It means the Lord really does have control of you, your core being, who you truly are. And it comes out. You see, that's why someone who's on fire for Christ, they can't keep their mouth shut. And this is not in the sense of just them talking abruptly. But when they do speak, they speak life. They speak words that edify. And even when there's correction that needs to occur, they speak life into someone else's life that needs to hear the truth. They're not a yes man or woman. They don't just say, oh, yeah, baby, you can, you know, it's okay. It's like, no, that is sin. Let's help you turn back to the Lord, repent and get right, and it'll be better for you. But you see, what comes out of our heart will be spoken into our words. When we discipline ourselves to listen more than we talk, we can truly learn a lot. It's been said that big talkers are hard to teach. And they're constantly running their mouths. They think they know everything. They don't think they need to stop and hear someone else's opinion or, 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 or a word that's expressed to them. They think they know it all. Wise people, on the other hand, have learned that more wisdom can be gained by listening, observing, and not rushing to speak. Someone who doesn't speak a lot, many times they can be wise. People that are silent can be fools too. <laughs> the Bible talks about that. Even a fool is thought wise when their mouth is shut. But for the most part, someone who's of little words, if they're walking with the Lord truly, they probably are more likely or not than not wise. Proverbs chapter, well, I just said that, but I'll, I'll share another one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Have you ever been in a situation where something happened and a situation popped off and, man, in your flesh, you are just ready to just rip a hole into somebody? <laughs> you are ready to tell them, give them a piece of your mind. You're like, this is not okay. I'm about to tell you what I think. But then the Holy Spirit restrained your tongue <laughs> and you kept quiet. You know, for many people, this thing happens. And, and, and this is why sometimes you see when people are under a lot of stress, they, they cry. They're so frustrated. And they're so wanting to open up their mouths and speak. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, they, they are restrained and they just kind of cry. <laughs> they just kind of cry. But that, that's a show of wisdom. So much has been lost. So many lives have been ruined because one or both parties were so quick to just blurt out what they thought or what they felt. Right? You've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. 
And when we're not led by the Holy Spirit, when we're acting in accordance to our flesh and we come when we come into agreement with our emotions and there's no restraint, we just let people have it. And many times that can be problematic. The old saying is right. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open up your mouth and remove all doubt. (laughs) It's like. Oh, yeah, you are foolish because as soon as you started talking, there was nothing wise coming out of that individual's mouth. Again, just think about it. How many relationships have been damaged or ruined because we were slow to listen and quick to speak? How many mistakes could have been avoided had we only listened instead of talked? This is what happens all the time in marriages, with parents and children, with close friends, with co-workers. You name it. In any kind of human interaction, if we're always quick to speak and slow to listen, somebody is going to get hurt. The reality is most of us are naturally quick, or not naturally, I should say, quick to listen, but we're naturally, we're, we're quick to speak. <laughs> we, want, we want to be heard. We want to be heard. But the good news is, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually be trained to be better listeners. This is something that's going to take active engagement like a child. I hear my daughter crying again. She's she's going through it 101. She's She's got to learn certain things in life, and it's going to take time. But just like her, there is hope. But we have to be willing to, to, to put our effort in and our energy in and trust in the Lord. You see... Good listening is active. It engages with the speaker. It, understand the, it understands the speaker's perspective, even if we disagree. How many times have we been engaged in a conversation, and as soon as someone said something we didn't like or didn't agree with, we all of a sudden tuned out, and we shut the person out. We could be looking dead in their eyes, but we're not even listening. You see, an engaged speaker listens even when they don't agree. And I think for Christians, that's probably one of the hardest things when we're witnessing to people or you you see when we can have certain conversations, right? Because we have the same Holy Spirit living within us. So when we engage, even if we engage in surface talk, whatever, it's fine. But we can talk about things of life because we have the same Holy Spirit. I've noticed this um, in my workplace a lot is that, I can only have a certain level of conversation with many of the people I work with because many of the people I work with are not saved. So there's because I'm set apart, just like you are set apart, there's certain conversations you can't engage in because there's no connection. You see, but even in that, if the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you to be a witness to someone, not that you engage in in, in lascivious conversation or behavior, But you will, for the sake of the gospel, be attentive because you want to win that person to Christ. And so you'll be an engaged listener. You'll just know the difference and you won't compromise your integrity just because you want to see someone come to Christ. You see, being quick to listen actually opens the door to greater communication because listening shows respect. And when people feel respected, Many times they are more than likely going to return that respect to you. 
And that's what I'm talking about in regards to people who are non-believers, even with believers, right? Sometimes, I mean, keep it real, right? We're a family. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. That's just the way it is. There's never, there's never going to be a perfect church this side of heaven. You're never going to have a perfect pastor. You're never going to have perfect outreach programs or ministries. You know, things are not going to work the way you think they should work all the time. But even in that, there can still be grace if we are active listeners, right? Many times we only see people in a clip of time and we don't know what their motives are. We don't know what they've been through. We form judgments all the time of all kind of people, but yet we only know just a little bit. It's better that we listen and keep our mouths shut and wait for the Lord to give an opportunity to speak. Amen. God's word always shows us the best way. And when we follow it, we will be blessed. Again, in this first uh, principle, this first main point, lastly, we are told to also be slow to anger. Notice that this is not a command to never feel anger. Sometimes people get this twisted in the church and they think that they're not supposed to feel any kind of righteous indignation or righteous anger. Trust me, I feel it all the time. (laughs) The thing is, through the power of the Holy Spirit, many times I don't act on it. You know, just because I'm, I'm angry at something doesn't mean I need to lash out. Anger is a human emotion that everyone experiences and it can be justified. However, James instruction here makes it clear that we are to learn to control or at least to slow down our anger responses. We shouldn't be flying off the handle for any little thing. And, and I'll be honest, I know many times I'm better at this with people outside of my home than people within my home. Not necessarily my wife at all, but my children. I, I, I'm learning. <laughs> I, there's work that needs to be done so I cannot, so I don't have to be so uh, you know, quick to flash on them. <laughs> Flashing on my kids. My wife is so much better than me at that. She's such a gracious mother, but she's also stern. But I need help in that regard. But in fact, to refuse to let anger control us in and of itself is actually an act of faith. When you choose to not let anger control you, you are being faithful to God. You are being like Christ. You are being what he, as he would be. You are taking upon the characteristics of Jesus when you don't let your anger consume you in a rage. It is a choice to believe that God the Father is in control and that he loves us and that he is good. And if he loves us and if he is good, then we should follow after his ways. Amen. The second main point is this. The anger of humans, the anger of men and women does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, we as God's children through faith in Christ need to learn to control our anger, to slow it down and to keep it in check. And for good reason. The Apostle James, he understood this. The reality is, anger doesn't work. Man's anger. Practically speaking, anger is an ineffective tool for contributing to the righteousness of God. It may allow you to get some steam off, (laughs) to blow some steam, but it's not effective in producing the righteousness that God desires. It might work in you getting your own way for what seems to be a short season or a small window of time, but it doesn't produce God's righteousness. It actually brings death. 
The, the world tells us that anger can manipulate or intimidate those around us. That's what the world tells us. And that's what it does. It intimidates people. It causes people to be afraid of you. And it manipulates people. People are manipulated by fear because of the anger or the wrath of someone else. For many, they've experienced that in the workplace. If you don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to fire you. And people threatened, not knowing any other way to make ends meet, they submit to the fear that their boss imposes upon them because they need to make money. Or within a marriage, it could be a man to a woman, it could be a woman to a man, but fear, intimidation, anger, parents with children. How many, I mean, I won't even ask. Hopefully you didn't grow up like that. But many people have where a parent has used anger and intimidated their children into doing something or to not do something. That does not produce the righteousness of God. And heaven forbid, within the church, pastors that lord their title or their, their position over the flock and intimidate the saints of God. May it never be said that that happens in this church. But even from a non-spiritual perspective, this comes at a high price. You see, when we let anger control us, we lose our integrity. We lose the trust of others. And we lose our self-control when we live in anger. You and I were created for so much more than, than, than just being angry and using anger to get what we want. Part of our purpose as believers is to be used by God to help to contribute to his purposes in the world. We have a glorious eternal purpose far greater than what we can achieve through anger and sin. And so this is why we must learn to control our anger. James distinguishes between human anger and God's anger. They are not one and the same. They're completely different. You see, everything God feels and expresses is righteous, including his anger. We live in a day and age where people say, God can't do these things to these people. They, they, these, there's, a, there's a group of people who refuse to believe that these natural disasters are part of God's judgment. How could God do this? How could a loving God do this? Because he is a righteous and holy God. He cannot let sin go unchecked. And so, I mean, just look at the Old Testament. Uh, nations of people were annihilated because of sin. But his anger is righteous. There was a reason for it. He's dealing with humanity who's unregenerated in ourselves and we're sinful. It's not like we're good people. He's dealing with people who are wicked at the core. So when he administers justice and judgment, it's for a righteous reason because it's against people who refuse to bend a knee, who refuse to see the truth of his love and his mercy and who refuse to repent. Those who trust in the Father will be in control to provide what is needed, to bring justice when the time is right. We will let go of human anger. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 tells us, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It is the Lord who will Discipline. It was the Lord who will bring people to where they need to be broken before him upon their knees in a repented state, not us. 
Our, our anger doesn't produce that. Our anger doesn't produce that. And the third main point is this. We must receive with meekness the word of God that has the power to save our souls. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to take off all filthiness and wickedness. And this is a conscious action that we come into agreement with through con- the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. To, 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 to do away with a lifestyle that we once lived. To not engage in certain behaviors or certain ideals. To not think in a certain light because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. To live in moral filth, on the other hand, to participate in, in the evil all around us is normal, right? But we have to understand, church, that we are set apart. Iglesia, called out. We are called out from the world. We are not to be engaged in what the world does. We are, we are cut from a different cloth. We have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are set apart for His work. We are set apart for communion with Him. We have supernaturally received the miracle of conviction and we've responded. Not every person is going to respond. And this is something that we have to come to terms with and understand. Not everyone's going to be saved. People are going to say no and they're going to regret it, but not everyone's going to be saved. But for you that has been set apart, we must also set apart all filthiness and wickedness and not allow ourselves to live in a way that is contrary to the Lord. This is how many people just continue to live their lives. They don't think a second about living in wickedness. It's natural to them because they are unregenerated. And, 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 and you can't even... I don't want to say you can't... <laughs> You can't fault them for that, but when when the eyes of their hearts have not been opened and they're still darkened, that's how they're going to live. Again, it goes back to, you can only have a certain conversation with a certain kind of person because if you don't share the same Holy Spirit, you guys are not on level ground. And, and, And many people who are not saved, they live their lives like this. This is why the world speaks of lesser evils or say certain decisions are just, it's just business. I just did this because it's business or it's not that bad. It's a little white lie. No such thing. It's just sin. It's why we always want to compare ourselves to other people instead of comparing ourselves to God. You notice that many times in the world people are like, well, I'm not as bad as that person. But well, put your life before God's standards and then now let's see. You're always going to look a little bit better or a little less worse depending on who you you know put yourself up against. But when you put yourself up against the Lord... We're all not right. And then you can see for sure what's going on. Those who trust the Father will forsake being governed by their sin, no matter how how alien that may appear to the culture today. You'll be able to stand amongst many people and not give in because of the power of the Holy Spirit and your devotion to Him. And again, the fear of the Lord will keep you. James writes that we should, in humility, accept the word planted within us. Throughout the Bible, it is often, Christ is often described as the word. James likely refers to Christ, to the messenger of Christ, when he calls us to accept with humility the word that has been planted in us when we believed in Jesus. You see, James doesn't tell us to stop sinning and just be better people. And unfortunately, some churches, they, 
They teach that. They just they don't even teach about sin. They don't say you got to stop sinning. They just say be a better person. How can I be a better person when I'm bound by 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 this darkness and I can't stop doing these things that I don't want to do? So we have to identify for what it is. It's sin. And James tells us, don't try to be a better person. You need to stop sinning. He tells us to stop sinning and accept or keep on accepting on a deeper level the message of Christ with humility. And this is, again, part of sanctification. It's an ongoing thing. Your love, your devotion, my love, my devotion for Jesus Christ should be growing every day. You should see more of a fervor and a desire to know Jesus. If today you don't feel stronger about your devotion to Christ than last week, there's a problem. You should be growing in your hunger for righteousness. You should be panting. As David said, I pant like a deer without water for the righteousness of God. Why? Because he understood that his life is nothing without God, without Christ. Without Jesus, his life is incomplete. If we could miss church, miss devotional time, miss prayer time, miss fellowship with other saints, and still feel okay about ourselves, we have a severe problem. Your life should not be complete unless Christ is at the center of your life. Unless Christ is the one overarching theme in your life. Unless Jesus is the one who you center your life around. Nothing else should bring you that level of satisfaction. It should be Him and Him alone. Amen? It is Christ's goodness in us that counts. Not our own effort to be good. Christ in us is what saves our souls. Excuse me. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 2 tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right. Let's look at these verses individually. There's only three. The first one is in 19. It goes on and it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Many of you are familiar with this phrase. God has given you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, we, so we can listen more than we speak. And this is essentially what this first part of this verse is talking about. Listen more than we talk. How many of you were taught as children to look into someone's eyes when they're talking to you? Right? Why? Why? To, to command your attention, right? To command your attention. My son is always doing this. Fiddling with something. Look in my eyes, son. <laughs> so I can see that you're paying attention, that you're getting it. You know? It's the same thing when we're, when we're in the Word. There shouldn't be a thousand other things going on that distract us. Playing music, watching the, having the TV go off, this and that. No, get in a quiet room. Get still before the Lord. Allow the Word to permeate and penetrate your being and be attentive with your spiritual eyes. It's the same thing. This is all about application, showing our beliefs are real by living them out. 
James gives us two tools that are essential and necessary for life and trials. Remember, he's writing to believers who are going through trials. So this is how you get through a trial. This is how you get through a trial victoriously and successfully. One is listening and the other is anger management. You see, the word of God cuts to the heart of the matter, showing us how we are to behave, telling us directly to be good listeners and to control our tongues and our temper. Again, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 tells us, guard your tongue, from it flow the issues of life. Guard your tongue, from it flow the issues of life. Right there. So it all stems from what we're saying. When we're talking loosely, man, that produces all kind of issues. But when we're speaking and, 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 and it's directed and it's thought through and it's prayed about, we can speak life to people. We can speak life into people's lives. And when we do these things, we're able to put other people first. These are the principles and essential elements to relationships and community. You cannot have a quality dialogue with another person if they are not listening and if you're not listening to them. We have to be able to, to listen well. The word becomes lost and, and communication miscommunication occurs. Again, think of marriages. Think of all the times you've had a misunderstanding with your spouse or an argument or a fight. Or, or, or students with teachers or business partners or even within the body of Christ. These all occur because somebody didn't listen and somebody jumped the gun and just reacted because they were hurt. Whatever was said to them, it hurt them and, 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 and they just lashed out. And then all kind of problems occur. We must understand also from a cultural perspective the context of these verses because it will paint the picture that we need to understand. To the Greeks and educated Jewish aristocrats, these people back then, they considered the eloquence of speech to be the most important thing a person could do. Like how you speak and how you engage in conversation. You were put on a pedestal if you could, you were an orator of words in a way where it, it just, it was pleasant to people's ears. You were thought of highly. And when you think about it, it's no different from our, our culture in our day and age. People who are good speakers are lifted up. And that's why you have a lot of destructive stuff going on within the church right now that are not following solid doctrine. They just have people that are good speakers up there and they're just speaking what they feel and people are gobbling it up and eating it up. Even when the final Antichrist comes onto the scene, it's going to be because it's going to be because he has such a way with words that people, nations are going to be mesmerized and they're just going to fall down and worship this false God all because of the tongue. And not really checking what is this person really up to. Today, everyone is encouraged to voice their opinion on everything. We live in a day and age where everybody it's like, man, voice your opinion. Speak up. You know, social justice, I, I get it. But everybody's got a complaint. Everybody's got a voice. And they want to. It's funny when you look at social justice, for the most part. Because once you start getting a mob of people together, whatever ideals they had, it's going to be far and few in between. And it's just a mob of people. And what are they usually doing? They're yelling, right? So they're using their tongue. And how are they? Are they talking kindly? <laughs> no. They're screaming at the top of their lungs. 
So now you got anger out of control. You got the tongue blurting out all kind of nonsense, and you got a mob of people. That's a recipe for disaster. The Bible is talking all against that. If all these people that have all these social justice issues, if they would just drop to their knees and repent and worship the Lord and ask the Lord for wisdom and direction, I guarantee you things would be a whole lot different. But obviously that's not the way things are supposed to play out. (laughs) We're on God's timeline. But you can see clearly that a lot of this stuff is just a hoax. It's a joke. We need the Lord. We don't need all that. We don't need people marching, going crazy. And then you see what happens. Tearing down buildings, setting cities on fire. All for what? Because people feel wronged. But they need to go. We need to go to the only one who can heal us and to make things right. And that is the King of the Jews. It's Jesus Christ. We are not encouraging We are not encouraging to listen to one side. We must listen to both sides. But James switches the focus from eloquent speech to eloquent listening. (laughs) We not not only need to be those who can, can speak a good, kind word, but we also need to be those who are very good and skilled at listening. On top of that, James wants to make sure that we are not only good listeners, but we also listen to God first, His precepts and His call. Many of the times... We just are quick to go. We didn't even ask God. You know, we didn't even ask God, what, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to react? What do you want me to do about this situation? How are you going to move in it? We cannot put our faith into practice unless we are listening. Listening is essential to relational development with people and also our growth in Jesus Christ. We must adhere to God's truth We have to be willing and able to receive them and receive them by listening. The application is this. We start this by becoming spiritually sensitive and listening to God's voice. When you're studying his word, when you're in prayer, when you're just by yourself in the Lord, maybe you're just driving or you're on the job and you're doing a certain task, be aware of what God is revealing to you. Remember, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, so he's always speaking. It's just, are we listening or are we just kind of checked out in that moment and we're thinking about something else? Thinking about the fantasy stats for blah, 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 blah. Who's going to (laughs) win? You know, the Eagles or the Chiefs or whatever it is it. We need to listen up. This is a call for us to be aware, to be alert. We must put into practice these principles. Next phrase we see is it says, let everyone, meaning that we all fall under this umbrella. There should be no slackers within the church, within the body of Christ. I get it. The body is at different places, but at some point we all need to mature. We all need to grow. We shouldn't be where we were in 2016 in our spiritual lives. There has to be growth. There has to be an advancement. There should be mature fruit, healthy spiritual fruit being produced within our lives. Amen? We are to all prepare ourselves so that we can learn and have no excuses. As we learn, we can respond to God's will. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. And Luke chapter 8 verse 18 tells us, Take care then how you hear, for 
To the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So we see this principle of hearing and applying what we hear. It plays out in many facets of life. Swift here refers to not wasting any time. We just need to do it, right? Some, there, there's, there is a time to pray, and there's also a time if we've already prayed and prayed and prayed, there's some things that the, the principles of the Word, it just tells us we already know what to do. We just need to do it. We need to just gain the courage, gain the strength in the Holy Spirit, and just set out and do what we're supposed to do. Offer no excuses, no buts, no coming up with reasons or excuses. It's like coming to church service. Unless you're out of town or you're on your deathbed or something else is going on where you can't be here, there, there, there's no excuse to not be here. You know, and, and, and this is where I have, I have to, in my person, I need to just come to terms with it and stop getting frustrated. Because sometimes I get so frustrated. I'm like, why are, why are people not showing up? <laughs> and the Lord's like, why are, you, why, are you, why are you so caught up in that? He's like, I bring the increase. I need to be concerned with who's here, who's being consistent, who's who's wanting to 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 give praise and adoration to the Lord on a Sunday morning and who is ready to hear a word from the Lord. That's what I have to be focused on. But the whole point is, again, for many of us, we there's certain things we just need to do it. You already know the Lord wants to commune with them, uh, you with him getting your word. There's not even a question, should I read God's word today? Well, if you woke up and you got a pulse and a heartbeat, yes, you should. Should I praise God? Should I pray and thank you? Of course. There's just, there's just certain things we just need to do. Meaning we need to pay attention. We need to open up our ears and hear. You see, if you and I are reluctant to listen, we will also be reluctant to learn and grow. And this is what I see, and I'm not, it, it's... It's not even talking smack. It's just a discernment thing where I've noticed over time as the Lord has drawn me closer and closer to him. The people that I see that are always talking about the same problems they have are the ones that are reluctant to listen and grow. And they're not doing the things that the Lord has already put right in front of them. You see, God's not going to take you and me deeper into a relationship with him if he's already set before you and I these things that we are to do. And we're not even doing them. But yet it's like, I'm still going through this. I'm still going through that. It's like, well, dude, why? <laughs> are, are, are you applying these principles to your life? No. Well, then, okay, I get it. Don't you see it? But it's like, again, we can't force people to see. Only the Holy Spirit can make someone see the error in their ways. And only the Holy Spirit can convict. Our responsibility is to continue to intercede and pray for them. And obviously there's a time where it becomes casting your pearls before swine. But I would, I, I would encourage you to really seek the Lord on that matter before you just give up on someone. You know? But sometimes, you know, hey, people are just, they're going to do what they're going to do. And it's like, it's not, even, it's not even worth it for you to continue to, 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 to preach and to share to someone who truly doesn't want it. You know? If they want it, they will come. Right. All we can do is be the best table setters we can be. If somebody is starving, they're going to come to the table and eat. That's how I see it. That's what the Lord has been showing me. When you're hungry, you'll come. You're not coming. You're not hungry. You're not hungry. You're not broken enough to come to the Lord's table. And then heaven forbid those people 
hopefully they, they don't have the door shut like the virgins with the lamps and the oil. And then it's like they want to come in, but they can't come in because it's too late. But this is how important the, these principles are. This is how important it is to have a true growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he's coming back. And when he comes back, if we're not ready, it's not going to be a good look. We need to be those who are ready. Church, amen? amen. Slow means to keep it under control. Almost like a, a, a bridling of a farm animal. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. How many times have you done that? <laughs> I'm sure you have. It doesn't feel good in the moment. But to overlook an offense, you are being slow to anger. You could easily lash out. And maybe it's even justified. I know many times, even when you may be right in a certain circumstance, you still may have to humble yourself. And you may even have to ask for forgiveness from the person, even though you didn't do anything wrong. Some people hear that, like, what? There's no way. Why would I say, I'm, why would I say, please forgive me when I didn't do nothing wrong? Look at your Messiah. Look at your Messiah. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He was right the whole time. And still he humbled himself. He humbled himself to the point where he went up on the cross and he gave his life. People spitting on him, mocking him, scourging him, putting the crown of thorns on him. We were talking about this on Thursday night. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was able to endure all that. You put a normal person in those circumstances, man, they put that once they put it, probably didn't even make it to the cross going on in the back. They wouldn't have made it all the way up that hill. They wouldn't have made it through all the scourging. They wouldn't have made it through all that stuff. But all that physical abuse he went through and he got through it. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was within him. And he had the anointing upon him that he had to finish the task, complete the task so that humanity could be saved. So when you think about your life and what you're going through, when you're ready to throw in the towel and ready to give up, know that you have the Holy Spirit who defeated sin, death, and Satan, and hell. And you can get through. You can endure. You can make it to the end. That should be an encouragement for you. Don't give up because it's tough. Don't give up because the chips aren't in your favor. This is a fallen world. Things aren't always going to line up the way you want them to line up. But praise be to God that there's something so much better for you on the other end of this thing. And even as you endure all the difficulties in this life, you're going to be able to praise him all the way through. When we're talking continually, we cannot hear God or others. We, we are being called to restrain our speech. This means we have to literally shut our mouths before we can gauge our ears and open our hearts. If not, we cannot hear God. We cannot understand his ways or apply his precepts. Lastly, in this verse, we see wrath or anger. Again, James is condemning acts of violence in uncontrolled, unrighteous anger. Violence starts with aggressive words. You know, people get into it. Why? Because they start popping off at the lip. They, stop, they start talking out the side of their neck. They start getting aggressive. They start getting violent with their words. And it goes from a violent word to a violent physical act. God is demanding us to control our anger. Why? 
because it incites violence, it destroys relationships and communities, and it does not solve problems. It closes off our minds and hearts from God and others and keeps us from seeing and understanding God and his instruction. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Be, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for ang- anger is lo- lodges in the heart of fools. These are the qualities that are essential in trials, how we are to get through life trials and temptations. We cannot learn and grow if we are not listening. To mature in Christ, we must be listening to God's correction and discipline, listening to godly advice, and listening to others to see their point of concern. We cannot learn if all we're doing is speaking. That's why it's good for me to sit. (laughs) You know, I want the Lord to raise up more teachers in this place so that I can sit. I need to sit, you know, and be fed as well. So I'm grateful every time Daniel teaches. When all we do is speak, we create a vacuum that is empty of the tools necessary to handle life and trials. Then we just become frustrated and angry. All right, let's move on to verse 20. We're almost done. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, this is self-explanatory. In the nature of how we are, our wrath, it doesn't produce what God wants. It produces things that are unfruitful and unprofitable for our lives. Our wrath almost always simply defends or promotes our own agenda. Wrath is defined as the emotional response or perceived wrong and injustice, often translated as anger, indignation, vexation, or irritation. Both humans and God express wrath. We talked about this a while ago, but they're completely different. <laughs> God's wrath is, is justified and, and ours simply is not. Only those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ can be assured that they are saved from the wrath of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 tells us, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. This verse explains that man's wrath will never produce the righteousness of God. What is God's righteousness? Well, simply put, the righteousness of God is the divine attribute that describes God as acting always in a way that is consistent with his own character. The psalmist declares that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. The foundation, what it's based off, is his righteousness. That is, he is himself right, just, and true. Righteousness is essential to his very being and characterizes all that he does. So everything he does, when Sodom and Gomorrah, when those two cities were destroyed by fire, that was perfect righteousness. Those people refused to repent of their wickedness and deserved it. When all of mankind besides Noah and his family were destroyed in the flood, that was righteous judgment because all those people kept on saying, we will not repent, we will continue to shed blood, we will continue to live loosely and do whatever we want. And so because they held a a clutch fist to God, they were annihilated, right? You see this going on in our society today. 
Again, count it as a miracle that you sense conviction in your life and you choose to walk away from the world and walk towards Christ. Because there's coming a day when judgment is going to come. And once again, it is going to be the righteous judgment of God revealed because men and women and children, he killed children too. (laughs) It go back to the Old Testament, man. You know, families were eating the flesh of their dead kids. It was so bad. But you know what? It's an unrepented generation that is going to receive that righteous judgment. I don't take pleasure in saying that, but it's to open the eyes of our hearts for us to understand how real it is. It is not a game. It is not a joke. You see, God is morally and ethically right. And he and his acts only he acts only in keeping with what is right and justice and true. This theme is common in scripture. Genesis chapter 18 verse 25 tells us, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Do you know that that's waiting for you? That's the righteousness of God. Because you have chosen to receive the conviction from the Holy Spirit, and you said, no, my life, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. That there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a righteous crown waiting for you, laid up for you. The application is this. Because our wrath, our anger is self-seeking by nature, it can never produce righteousness. It is steeped in selfishness. God's righteous indignation or wrath always produces righteousness because it is consistent and pure and holy with who he is. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 tells us, A soft anger turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All right, last verse and we're ending. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Again, all filthiness, all manner of things that are evil and vile and detestable and not right. Pride, vanity, wrath, malice, evil speaking, all must be done away with. We shouldn't be those that harbor these things in our lives in the secret places of our hearts. And it comes out, you know, whenever. No, these things should be put away from us. We should live in a way that is set apart from this world. This can truly only happen by living your life with the healthy fear of the Lord. Again, it keeps on coming up because if we don't fear God, then we're going to do whatever we want. Being aware of who he is and all of his holiness, allowing him to govern your life will keep you from doing foolish stuff. The fear of God keeps you from being a fool. The fool is the one that says there is no God. And what, I, what I've come to learn even in this, this last week is that he actually wants us to really fear him. It's not just a reverent fear. It's like a fear like your God. Think of, look at all throughout the, the, the Old Testament. When he would manifest himself to men, what did they do? They fell flat on their face. Why? Because they had a straight fear of God. It's like you are the creator of all life, man. I'm not going to just stand there and look at you. You'll strike me dead in a heartbeat. I'm falling on my face in adoration and praise to you. It goes on to say, and rampant wickedness. What is this? Whatever is governing our hearts will flow out into our words and actions. If we are choosing to live 
as our own righteousness, there will be rampant wickedness flowing from our lives. Look at our society. You know, I hate to be on a negative kick. It's, it's not really negative. It's really just seeing it for what it is. But just don't be deceived. All this nonsense going on in our society and in the world, it's rampant wickedness. It's just straight people defying God and wanting to do whatever they want. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 tells us, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Right? It's, it's, it's not what we put into our mouths. Man, you want to eat shellfish? Go ahead, eat the shellfish. <laughs> you want to eat Reese's Pieces? Whatever. But it's what comes out of our mouths that defiles us. Because again, our righteousness apart from Jesus Christ isn't righteousness at all. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 tells us, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. I'm ending with this last point. Um, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. Instead, we are to receive with humility this word that's implanted in our hearts that can save our souls. We need to realize that when we receive with humility by faith the word of God in our lives, the power of Jesus Christ lives within us. If you were truly born again, the person of the Holy Spirit, as the Hebrew says, the Ruh Kadesh lives within you. The Holy Spirit has defeated sin, death, and the grave. I think that's like the third or fourth time I said it in this message. So really think about it. Since the Holy Spirit is your source of power, you can walk away from all filthiness and wickedness through Him. The only thing is you must receive Him with humility. For the word of God, who is Jesus Christ, has the power to save your souls. This is the fruit that God produces in our lives through salvation and every good work. I'll leave you with this verse because it's super important. This is the key. This is how we do it. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 tells us, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, if we fear God, church, we're going to walk in his ways. And if we walk in his ways, we're going to love him and we're going to serve him with every bit of our being. This is the way that you and I get through trials. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. And as it's gone forth, we just pray it fell on fertile ground. Lord, would you give us the ability to apply these principles to our lives? May we not grow weary and weak. Your word says that you'll lift us up on wings like eagles and that we won't grow weary and grow faint. So please give us that supernatural energy to continue to live out our lives honoring you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.